0: Hello, my name is Craig, and this is Get Doing Things. Today, I'm talking to somebody again. I'm doing another live episode, so I'm doing a a bunch of live episodes over the next couple of weeks where I just find almost a random person on Twitter and talk to them for 45 minutes. Today, I'm talking to Shashwat Eternal. I hope I've said your name right, Shashwat. You'll have a chance to. He's kind of going, eh. He's got a chance to correct me in a second Uh, and we're just gonna talk for 45 minutes about all kinds of stuff I don't know where this is gonna go, but here we go so I'm trying to unmute Shash. Oh, there we go. He's unmuted. Yeah. Hello.
1: Hi, Greg. Yeah. How are you doing? So it was close enough. Uh, yeah, my name is Shashwat. It's hard for, uh, you know, a lot of people pronounce. So I guess you can just call me ass if, if you prefer, you know. Or, uh, yeah, it's actually a funny story, but uh, I visited the States this one time for like a debating competition back when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone there would have trouble, you know, pronouncing my name. So what ended up happening was uh, people started calling me Joshua because it sort of sounds similar. And then all of my mates from college started just calling me Joshua for the rest of the time we were there. So I guess you can call me Joshua as well. Or S will do.
0: So so Joshua, Uh, Asif, or (laughs) Shashwat?
1: Yeah. S is cool. S is cool. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah. So so yeah, I've got a, a funny story about Americans as well because I'm called Craig, and Americans can't say Craig; they all say Craig. So whenever right, I'm talking right. to an American, they always go Craig, and it, I'm kind of like, eh, you know, I'm just twitching internally inside. Eh, that's not how you say Craig; it's got. Yes, yes, you know,
1: it's it's much deeper butchering than my name. You're right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I, well, want, um, I, I want to yeah, I want I to think start first with one. thing to talk about. Oh, go on. You want to go? Ahead? Go. Ahead. No, go on, you you had something in mind. I was
1: just going to say just the sort of serendipity of this, you know, the randomness, as you said, even in the intro, I'm I'm loving this. Honestly, I've only been on Twitter about six months-ish that I've properly been using it, and every other day I seem to run into somebody really cool, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so I really appreciate this, uh, both meeting you and this, you know, but yeah, so I just want to say cheers to Twitter, man, This is it's, it's fun. Tw-
0: that we can actually do this Twitter is awesome and I, I think this kind of thing where you just you set up a podcast well I've had a podcast for a while but where you set up a podcast and you just talk to people it gives you such an opportunity to meet random people all around the world that you just never ever get a chance to talk to anywhere else that is, is truly <laughs> the power of the internet and so many people don't even use it for that yeah
1: I remember I don't know whose thread it was I forget but somebody had actually made a very good point about this, you know, are you using Twitter or is Twitter using you? Or well, I mean, it was a general point about social media and tech, you know, but, so yeah, that's absolutely true. If you just sort of passively consume the entire time, uh, and then, you know, sort of blame everything that's going on, on this, that's not some, something anybody can help, uh, at the same time, people are out here, you know, really doing cool things. I mean, I'm, I swear Twitter's blowing my mind, man. Uh, <laughs> Really, really amazing people out here, yeah. All all walks of life, all places, awesome.
0: How have you managed to avoid using Twitter all this time?
1: Oh, I'm a writer, that's how. That's
0: perfect for Twitter.
1: Very, yeah, very easy answer to it is that, uh, so I put my first novel out about three odd years ago. And before that three years, I was writing the book. So, you know, the it, first novel for a writer, very difficult and sort of challenging thing to do because you it's something you've, that's been building up in you for your entire life. But it's the first time you're doing it. So you don't even really know how to go about it, you know. Mm. So it can turn into a very isolating sort of thing. For me, at least it did. And uh, so, yeah, that puts you in a shell a little bit. And then you got to work your way out of it, you know, if, if you can, I mean, it's ideal that you do it alongside, but I don't know if that's really possible. I mean, it wasn't for me at least, but I'm in a good place now, you know, so it's, it's all good, but you learn your lessons along the way. You know, I, I had to, uh, so as I said, I put it out about three odd years ago and then started on the sort of so-called marketing grind of it. And because I had just locked myself in a room, essentially, it was very difficult because I didn't know anybody, you know, uh, I had a $0 marketing budget, essentially. So stuff, And uh, only lately have I been able to really get comfortable with the idea that you can do this. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't have to be this hard. But in fact, that's that's funny. I wanted to talk to you about that because I loved the get doing things point, you know. And I watched a couple of your videos, uh, the, the taking Twitter seriously thing and so on and so forth. And I remember thinking even going through your timeline like on twitter this idea of it's hard doing this for whatever reason it doesn't have to be but for most of us it seems to be you know and i think for somebody who's been doing it for a while even with with your podcast and so on and so forth i would love if you would dive into that a little bit why what do you think it is specifically that puts up i don't know resistances in people or whatever why is it so hard when it doesn't have to be
0: what the, to, the to start anything there, right? To start anything?
1: yeah it's just what is it in us that stops us
0: oh god that is a big question isn't it um i i think from my point of view what one thing i've always been really lucky with is, is my parents my parents have always have always said to me you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. And they've always encouraged me regardless. They've all, they've always just, just let me get on with it. So I've never really been pushed into doing any particular thing, which I think has, has kind of led me to the point where I, I don't feel like I need permission from anybody to do something. Uh, that's not happened overnight. I, I started doing things, quote-unquote, online I started doing probably my first ever major projects that I put out onto the internet was when I was 18 in my first design job I was 18 and I was making and for reference I'm 32 now nearly 33 so for the first project was making a poster every single day for 365 days and sticking them on the internet so as an 18 year old that was quite intimidating because it was. I was putting my work out there. Not only was I putting my work out there for the first time, I was also putting work out there that wasn't always that good because I was making it every single day. So, by necessity, making something in an hour, in 30 minutes, or, w- or whatever it ends up being, isn't going to be that good. So, that was a, a big formative project for me where I, I, I started to realize putting things out there whether they are bad or good isn't gonna break anything it's not it doesn't matter whether it ends up being good or bad and the majority of the thing so when i finished that project and i did it for 365 days when i finished the project i did a little bit of like a an art exhibition of my favorite posters and
1: wow that's interesting
0: yeah which was really cool i've never done it ever since but i i would like to do it again um and there was only i think i only showed about 100 of those 365 so going back over those things and looking at which ones were best and which you know which ones which ones i could stick on a wall effectively and invite people to look at and say this is good that was like yeah i just immediately got rid of a third of them uh, and so, so I had the two sides of the project. I had making every single day, just in the process, not caring about the result, and then at the end of it, looking back on everything that I'd made and going, actually there's some good stuff in here. So yeah, it
1: the curation thing every day.
0: Yeah, so it allowed me to realise that it isn't the end result that really matters. And ever since then I've made some kind of daily project almost up- every year since then made some kind of project to make me remind myself that it doesn't matter about the end product you know it, do, it doesn't matter if it's good it doesn't matter if it's bad it just matters that you keep making something because
1: yeah the consistency it, of it right
0: yeah, yeah. But because it, you, you'll you have found when you were writing your first book the longer you delay the bigger the delay gets not just in time yes. but in your head as well it becomes exactly.
1: it gets Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree, yeah.
0: It becomes a big it's, thing, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. In fact, I mean, uh, now, you know, the point of to which I've reached, I mean, I, I finished that one. As I said, I, I, I had figured out writing by then, but had no idea what to do with the marketing end. So, I have written more books since then, but I haven't released them because I figured, let me get this piece in place, you know. So, uh, I even I realized exactly the same thing that What it is, I think, is the bigger you make it in your head, the harder it gets to do. Yeah. So essentially, what you want to do is kind of break it down into as tiny and almost as if you don't care. Of course, that's not true. But the idea is to break the scale of it down to a point where it's very manageable and it's just, you just get to it. And uh, yeah, man, I think the output increases to a crazy degree. I mean, I've surprised myself some days, you know. How is this even happening? Because back then it used to be tough just to sit and, you know, but yeah.
0: It, it's, uh, it's, that I, fl- it's that flywheel that you get on, isn't it? As soon as you start. Exactly.
1: Ma- There's a momentum thing that also, yeah, you're right. There's a momentum thing that also kicks in after a while. It just becomes normal. And then it's just your day-to-day thing, you know? And that's what, yeah, I, I that's
0: what I'm always trying to do. Maintain the momentum. It doesn't matter what the project is. I've got mainly two of them at the minute. I write 10 tweets a day, no matter what, whether they're good or bad. And I, I've got another Twitter account called Produce More where I make visuals. I make, I make one to three of them every day. And those two things maintain the momentum of everything else. It, it, even if they're not in the same creative field, just the fact that I'm doing them every day keeps my brain sharp, keeps me going. And it allows me to maintain momentum on other things as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's wise, man. I mean, in fact, I've started a similar kind of thing. So like I said, you know, with Twitter, what I what I realized was that I kind of dipped my toes in for a couple of months, you know, not being as active as I would have liked to be. But then what I noticed was, I was very comfortable engaging whenever the topic was books. Because that's just what I get excited about the most, you know, and it's what I love the most. So anybody Would you know discuss books? I'd be all in that conversation. And of course, because, you know, when you give that kind of energy, you get it back. So then those were my most engaging posts as well. So what I actually did uh, today, if I'm not wrong, would be the 10th issue. I started a little newsletter, like a daily micro newsletter, where all I'm doing is every single day, like you said, uh, I send out one book recommendation. It's just one book and three sentences. You know, what is it about? Who is it for? And why should you read it? And uh, it's been great, man. 10 days, I've found people who think like me, who are into books like me. Yeah. It's going pretty great. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've i also wisened up to the same sort of strategy, I guess. Uh, bumped my head around enough to figure out that there should be something that should are doing that just almost keeps you moving, is essentially what we're looking for, I think, right?
0: Yeah, and it, it should have... Also,
1: been- uh, yeah, one thing I wanted to point out, the accounts you were talking about, you watch that account with the rap lyrics. There's another account you have with the rap. I was like, yeah, the produce more is cool. Of course, it's a great idea. I saw the rap lyrics and I was like, what the, this is, you gotta make more of those, man. What are you doing? I'll send you lyrics. Hell, I'll I'll help. What can I do? Send me lyrics. That was awesome. I really loved that.
0: That, that's the the problem with the seeing bars thing is i really struggle to find rap lyrics that are, are really good for it
1: oh yeah i've got you man what are you talking about we will outsource them are you kidding me <laughs> that should not be the problem
0: sen- let's sen- get
1: to making more of those i i really you know i thought we could talk hip-hop for a while i don't know uh that yeah. would be fun
0: yeah well what do you want books or hip-hop
1: but <laughs> i'm I actually I, to- I thought this was supposed to be unscripted and stuff it we is. can talk books uh we can talk hip-hop however you want to take <laughs> favorite rapper go ahead favorite
0: rapper oh i i, I don't i don't know i so
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it's a difficult one because i like i like different rap at different times and rap isn't mm-hmm. the rap isn't the only genre that i like i listen to anything of course. i like all sorts
1: me too me too man me too yeah
0: uh, and i think th- the most the rap that I most like is conscious rap. So rap where it's not just lyrics about gangsters. Although I do enjoy N.W.A. and Ice Cube and stuff like that occasionally, but it's more it's more kind of conscious rappers and stuff. One that I really love and I've I've, I've uh, visualized a few of his lyrics is Abdominal. Who um, <laughs> he's a he's a rapper on a lot of DJ Formats albums. Wow. Uh, and he's, he's just really fun. He's not that well known criminally. He's not right. that well known, and he he does he does a rap on a DJ. Is it DJ format? I think it is. The song's called "Vicious Battle Raps," and the the whole rap that he does on that is immense. It's amazing. In fact, one of the one of the visuals I did was from one of those. Oh man, what what is the, what is the lyric? I'm gonna find it while we're talking, because <laughs> the, the, right. the the lyrics brilliant let's have a look
1: yeah no i i think i think this is really connecting with me as well i mean the the conscious bit of it you know uh i think the timelines are, are a little different so i haven't heard you know as many of the older guys as i would have liked to but uh yeah there's there's guys doing that kind of rap even today that are doing very well you know and uh yeah
0: here we go so it's I mean,
1: doctor what are we even saying i mean i mean kendrick is quote unquote a conscious rapper and he's like the biggest dude there is you know so yeah mm. they they're having a good time of it right now in fact i think hip hop's going through a bit of a golden phase now yeah it's a uh, lot think, of good people are
0: i think it is that there isn't that many kind of gangster rappers
1: yeah much. i think that i think that i think 50 was the last big gangster gangster rapper i don't know you know i think when Kanye began to came begin began to come in, you know, I think it kind of tapered off a little bit.
0: Yeah. 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 I think I think you're probably right. So this is the lyric. Um Doctor, is it true when you say that he's as handsome as a deity, like a chiseled Greek god, plus nimble like a tree frog, but with the strength of ten men, who each possess the strength of ten men. In other words, the strength of one hundred men, that's the, the bit from vicious battle raps. Right. I I, I, re- I really like kind of weird um, <laughs> lyrics that are just bizarre as well. I think they're brilliant.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And he raps about his socks as well and, uh, chicken, and chicken wings and stuff like that. He raps about how neat his sock drawer is on one of his albums. It's, it's called Sock Hop, that song. <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah, that does sound really conscious, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, he's, he's just
0: a brilliant writer and a guy who can make... <laughs> can make lyrics out of a sock drawer is a genius to me yeah
1: yeah you know I could actually connect that to books to in a very funny way but let me let me remember what the name of the writer was is this there's this guy John McPhee and I think he's a he's actually a lit, lit professor at Princeton if I'm not wrong but so this guy will write nonfiction books about these very unexpected topics. There's a whole book on oranges, for example. Just oranges. The history, you know, he'll figure out a way to somehow make a whole book. And it's interesting too. And as I say, he's a writing professor. We have a very famous guy, John McPhee, you know. And uh, if I'm remembering his name correctly. But yeah. So there's that skill with the pen, you know. If you have it, you just, you have it. And
0: I th- I think some people work
1: very hard on it, yeah.
0: I think it's true. It's true art when you are capable of turning something that's sort of yeah. normal into a yeah. beautiful yeah. story that's interesting to read.
1: Yeah. Are, are you into J. Cole at all? There was this There's this guy, J. Cole, he does rap. Kind of conscious. If you haven't heard him, you know, you should. I think you like him. And I remember uh, one of his previous albums, he had a song called Folding Clothes. And it was like this love song to his wife, who was pregnant, and so he's trying to uh, take as much of you know her work onto himself and sort of help out, and that's what he's saying. So like, I just want to fold clothes so that you don't have to work because you're tired. You know, it's very sweet song. So yeah, another example of the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a it's a beautiful genre in terms of how different it is across so many different ways. That I just I listen to so many rappers, and I were even listening to um ah oh, what's she called. The 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 one oh man she she guessed she guests on uh WAP that ridiculous song that's just come out that's all over TikTok. I don't know, man. Megan, Megan, the something she's called. She's got a song called Savage. Um, uh, what what I find really interesting about her, let me let me just dig her name out because there's nothing worse than someone saying half something on a podcast and you're not knowing what it is. Megan the Stallion, she's called.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I've heard of the name. I haven't heard anything by her, but yeah.
0: I've heard of the name. Uh, what's really interesting about her? She was on Saturday Night Live that I was watching the other night, and that's where I heard the Savage song. And it's it's just mega addictive. It's 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 nothing amazing. It's just addictive. You know, it's just a pop a pop rap song really. What's interesting about Megan the Stallion, as well as a couple of other female rappers, is that they're doing exactly what N.W.A. were doing in the 80s. Basically. Gangster rap, but from a female pers- perspective. Right, yeah. Uh, and all that kind of stuff that pe- people say that NWA and Ice Cube are, uh, are misogynist and all that kind of thing. The shock,
1: the shock value of it. The shock right. value. Yeah.
0: And they're doing it from the female perspective. And suddenly yeah. it's really new and it sounds really different and shocking because you've never heard it said from a female's point of view, which, which is ridiculous in itself because it shouldn't be like that. But it's it's quite refreshing to listen to that. It's it it's from another point of view that you should have already heard. You know, it's yeah. forty years ago, nearly now. Some of the NWA stuff, yeah. and we should we should have heard this by now, and we we haven't.
1: Sign sign of the times, man. You know, yeah. sign of the times. I think. Um, yeah, couple of reasons. I think. I mean, I mean, I can just place that to uh, back when you know nwa times the market wasn't big enough just something as simple as that could have stopped it you know but i think yeah now these voices coming out is just a sign of the times and uh it's a good thing i actually haven't heard any new american rap for a while now because there's a very live and thriving rap scene in india now and uh, so about a year and a half ago i started a company and it was in the food space so I was out doing events a lot. So I heard a lot of this music and I hadn't been on Indian rap till then. But when I caught hurt, they're really, really doing well, you know. Uh, they're having a moment out here. So for the past year or so, all my hip hop has essentially been my favorites from, you know, before. And basically a bunch of Indian dudes. There's really, I'm, there's this guy called Brother V. You should check him out, man, because he raps in English. And I, I swear to God, the guy sounds amazing. He's just... And the penmanship is there; it's just flawless. Brother V. The uh, brother V. Yeah, but he pronounces brother as uh, he spells it as B R O T H A. You know,
0: ah, or right. something of
1: that sort. Yeah, but
0: yeah. so check him out. So cool. what? So what kind of what does Indian rap sound like?
1: It's all. It's almost as if they. So uh, even when I was growing up, right? I'm 27 now. So my generation was essentially the first generation that really got into rap out here. And I think the first artist that broke essentially was Eminem. So you'll hear a lot of Eminem influence. You'll, Brother V, for example, has sonically a very... So he's from the south of India. So there's a Carnatic music. There's, it's, it's essentially like a genre of classical music, music from the south of India. So he's somehow taken that sound palette, figured out how to rap over it, I can't even express how amazing it is. But it's it's really, I mean, I was stunned about it. And then, you know, everybody else, they have, they have their own s- sounds. Bombay is sounding a little bit like New York does. And Delhi is sort of all over the place. I'm from Delhi, by the way. But, so yeah, I think it's a very broad spectrum out here. I, I'm really stunned at how how amazing it is. Yeah, so I mean, I I was, last year, I did, essentially, we did every big food fest that happened. And uh, by God, man, they're doing very well. And the people are responding like crazy too. It's, you know, really having a moment over here.
0: So so when did it kind of start? When did it start kicking off?
1: I don't know if I'm the best person to ask. Uh, <laughs> because like I told you, you know, till, till a year ago, even I wasn't really that into it. But uh, I think a couple of years ago, there was this movie that came out. I mean, these people have been under the surface. You know, there's been like an underground scene for about a decade now. But they've only hit sort of the mainstream, if you want to call it, for about three years, I would say. And then what happened was, again, you know, the underground scene in India, what happens is, so there was there were a couple of rappers who were doing well in Bombay, which is, you know, where the movie industry in India is uh, situated. So they caught wind of it and made a movie on it. And that really blew it up. So the movie is called Gully Boy. And uh, it's loosely based on this guy called Divine and another guy called Nezi both of them are basically veterans in Indian hip-hop and uh, yeah Divine Raps in Hindi otherwise I'd have really recommended it because the sound is just stunning man he actually uh, has a Nas interlude on the first album can you believe it wow really? I got chills when I heard it for the first time I was like is this Nas speaking over here And I'm gonna <laughs> check my phone it really was you know and uh, so yeah really really doing it big now
0: Wow! And is the film, God bless a
1: man? Yeah, they're really, really doing well.
0: Is the movie any good, or is it just, or is it just bad?
1: Oh, uh, again, I'm not the guy to ask. The movie's <laughs> supposed to be pretty great. I'm just not that much of a movie guy. But the movie's supposed to be good. It is good. Uh, I'm just, you know, not that into movies.
0: I thought I've, I've you were with being seen a story it in guy. Pieces. Sorry. I thought, with you being a story guy, you would have loved a good movie.
1: Uh, I can. It can depend, you know so for example for me books are best shows are better movies i gotta almost be pushed to watch movies i don't know for for some reason and none of my friends agrees with me on this but i feel like a movie is too much of a time commitment i gotta sit there with a whole block of time and the funny thing is a show you know it'll be 50 hours but for some reason that's i don't know we're just wired weirdly sometimes
0: yeah and what
1: else can we dive into
0: i know i know what you mean about movies i'm I'm quite a big movie fan and right. I, I also love reading uh, and, and i love tv shows too and it's it's quite interesting to see how stories are different across those mediums and i think in in a movie um the the stories are never told in quite the same medium as they are on any other medium and and that's what can be really powerful about movies i i see it in as as the other way that you sit down for 90 minutes And that's it. The full story is done. You you you're not you can't usually finish a book in ninety minutes. A book is an investment over maybe a week or a couple of days or something. But with a a movie, it's if it's a good movie, it's ninety minutes and it flashes by, and the story can be immense. Um, and you don't really get that in a book, and you don't really get that in a TV show unless it's a a British TV show where it's only six episodes, but most people are watching American ones and and they're like, you know, bloody 24 episodes a season and 10 seasons. Yeah.
1: They're they're essentially, how much can we milk this is I think the formula. How long can this make us money? You know, I think apart from Seinfeld, I mean, he he was really the first guy who, you know, I really admire Seinfeld. And uh, as far as I can see, as as far as American TV was concerned, you know, he was the first guy to cap it at a point where he wanted to artistically and just sort of walked away generally what americans tend to do is keep extending them keep extending them you know
0: i, I th- uh, think most most mediums most uh creative mediums where they've got to make a lot of money from it that tends to happen it, yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's just the business right yeah it, it's just rare where it happens we've seen it now with with coronavirus where they're stopping the movies coming out because they they know that they're not going to make as much money as they can, even though there's there's other ways to distribute the films, but they want to wait for the big hit of all the money because they've got hundreds of millions invested in these films that they just, they can't risk releasing it in any other medium. And uh, it, it just, yeah, it comes down to risk most of the time that most people are not willing to take the risk on a, even a risky new a risky new film or a risky new movie. And then they'll milk it for five sequels, and it'll just get worse yeah. and worse and worse. <laughs> I think the only the yeah. only one if if you've not seen uh, Pulp Fiction, highly recommend Pulp Fiction.
1: I've seen, I've seen Pulp Fiction. Yeah,
0: it's one of my favorite movies ever. And I think yeah. Quentin Tarantino is probably one of the only people who keeps his creative license even when he's making these films. And. It, the way that he pulls in other mediums and his influences and things like that is is beautiful. And, and he's a hev- he heavily relies on narrative and, and, and talking and dialogue and things like that as well. So his films are really interesting. Some people find them boring, but I think they're quite interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I think one sort of, you know how images have watermarks? I think the watermark of somebody truly creative is that you watch a Tarantino film, you know it's a Tarantino film, you know? He's not quite like anybody else's movies. So whether you personally like it or not is one thing, but the guy knows what he's doing. He has a vision of his own. And so even Pulp Fiction, for example, you know, is a very distinctive flavor that he's able to bring almost every movie. I mean, at least that's what I've noticed. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no. It's a good absolutely.
1: I remember, yeah, it was a fun movie, yeah.
0: Yeah, that he's he's got a very distinctive style and he he's also going back to your point about being passionate about something. He loves making movies and he's a movie buff and you can see it all over his films because it's got endless nods to all kinds, yeah, all kinds, even just in pulp fiction, it's full of them. But there's a there's a, there's a scene where um in fact two things that's really cool. The scene where he runs Marcellus Wallace over just before the scene where he runs him over, there's a song playing in the car. And this is the attention to detail that Quentin Tarantino puts in his films. So he, he's he's sat at the traffic lights and he's just tapping on his on his steering wheel because he, he loves the right. song. He loves the song that's playing. And then Marcellus walks across the road right in front of him. And then the song gets to a lyric where it goes, It's good to see you. And then they spot each other at that point, and then oh. he runs him over. And, and then and then they have a bit of a fight and then they go into a shop and inside the shop he, he's uh, he's trying to pick a weapon to uh, to go beat some people up with and he's looking on this top shelf and on this top shelf every single weapon is from some famous movie they're all different you know movie weapons basically and that that scene that scene takes place in a, probably about 10 minutes of the film and every every 5 or 10 minutes is packed full of cool things like that there's those layers that's what I love about any kind of art form when there's layers underneath it where you can you can if you want to dig deep enough you can find new things every time you watch it or consume it or read it or see it they're they're the mark of a true creative I think
1: absolutely yeah same thing uh absolutely the same thing with books you know especially with books if anything uh, is that it gets better with every read you know There's almost, I think, I think it's Nassim Taleb who said it. He says that uh, if a book is not worth rereading, it wasn't worth reading in the first place. You know, so there's something to that idea that every read, it gets better for you somehow. So, yeah, I think anybody really passionate about doing anything. Whatever medium they end up picking is essentially their nature, you know. But the same thing starts happening. So,
0: yeah. It's, cool. it's what I found when I started making um, the Produce More images. And mm. um, as soon as I discovered the medium and started making them, I've been a designer for 15 years and I started making these little images and I, I love them. I just love doing them. So it, it's, it's just not an effort at all to sit down for 15, 20 minutes a day and make one of the images. And if you can find that creative pursuit that, you just love doing, man. It just doesn't matter whether you're doing it for money or not. You just love it.
1: Yeah, it feels like play, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. If you can find that, that's that's where eventually it'll yeah. turn into something pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I sort of feel very similarly. I mean, even uh, during the grind or whatever you want to call it, you know, the one thing that you can hold on to is that, well, at least I found that thing. You know, I'm getting up, I'm writing and uh, everything else about it may be hard, but the thing itself, nothing feels better. So, you know, at least we have that. I mean, I'm really, really grateful for that because uh, most fun thing I've ever experienced, you know, and it's just, it's just fun, man, to write.
0: Trust, Trust in the process. Trust the process. It's the, yeah. the love is found in the process no matter what it is you're doing once you find the thing that you love doing it doesn't matter about the end yeah. result If you, yeah. you love writing or you love drawing or you love designing whatever it is if you find that thing you can be doing it for anything Yeah. unfortunately most people don't find that out which is sad really yeah
1: that's what I'm saying it's like I always sort of count myself massively fortunate you know because Truth is, I don't know how I found mine either. It just kind of, I kind of knew when I was little that this is really cool. I loved books. And then one day it just struck me that you could make, somebody was making these, you know? And I mean, I was very little. So for me, it actually was quite like an epiphany. Like, yo, these these are people writing books. You could just be one of those people. And I'm like, this is it. I'm doing this now. But so I don't know how I found it. So yeah, it's it's I think uh, a matter of great fortune, you know, and something to be really
0: grateful for. I, I feel exactly the same way. I get I get to get up every day and design stuff for a living. It's 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 an honor really to be able to do it. But the amount of people that, especially, so so before before coronavirus hit and a couple of years ago, we were working we were working with a school. So so I run a design agency. And we were working with a school to, to help them make an iPhone app. And we were working with the kids. It was it was like a, an after-school class type thing. And we were working with the kids. So these were 11, 12 years old. And the question I asked them when we first went in with them, I said, so what's your favourite app? They've all got phones. What What's their favourite app? And some say Instagram, some say Facebook, some say Twitter... One person said Pinboard, which was an interesting response. Um, and I said, oh, well, why is Pinboard your favorite app? And he said, well, I want to be a journalist. I thought, wow, he's 11 years old and he, he wants to be a journalist. But that, that's a side point. So everybody, I asked everybody and then I said to them, did you know that people make these apps and make money for it? You know, people work, people work for Facebook, people work for Twitter. Somebody made Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Did you know that? And they're like, no, no. we, we And I know they're only 11 years old, but but a lot of people double, triple, quadruple that age don't ever realize that... They you don't could ever, be doing this too. Yeah, they, they don't ever take yeah. a step back and go from consumer of the thing that they enjoy to think, exactly. hang exactly. about, why don't I make this? I enjoy consuming it, so why don't I make it? Yeah, Wait, I- uh,
1: exactly. That's exactly the thing I was talking about books. You know, so the funny thing with me was that I'm actually from three generations of lit professors. So my mother teaches English lit and uh, my grandfather did. I mean, my mother has two siblings, both of them teach English lit and my grandfather was also uh, a professor. So every summer holidays, I would end up going to his place, right? My essentially my maternal grandfather. And he had this massive library. And so, so how it started for me was just, I loved that library. I even still bloody remember the smell, you know. Even the smell of that place just, I just loved being there. I spent pretty much half my day in there and the rest of the day playing. That's kind of how I used to do it. But, so I remember seeing these books. So like, you know, every book has a name and it has this person's name on it. And I, I remember growing up later on when I had figured out, oh, these are people writing them and those are the names. So, you know, later on I thought, well, that's pretty silly that you didn't figure this out. But yeah, absolutely, man. When you're a kid, nobody tells you that these are all people that have done this in life, you know?
0: Yeah. And, but and it I, think,
1: re- I think it can change like that. As soon as you see it, it just changes everything.
0: It does, but it can really depend on your parents as well. The the kind of, the area that, the area that I live in in the UK it's, it's, it's a small town, it's called Barnsley, um, it, it isn't, it isn't really a prosperous town, it's not a big town, it's just a small town, and the, and, and the the main source of industry that used to be in our small town was, uh, mining, so pit mining, and obviously that's all gone, that went a long, long time ago, and it, and it made the area that I live in become quite depressed, so, in, ter- in terms of money and everything, so the aspirations are already quite low in the in the place that I live, uh, and and there's a growing digital movement in Barnsley, which is really cool and really awesome to see. But the the average person who who lives in Barnsley doesn't have parents who know about any of these things. Doesn't know about Twitter. Doesn't know about Facebook. Obviously, they know about them, but they don't know. You know, they don't know about them. You they don't they don't know that you can actually be a creator on one of these platforms instead of a consumer. They don't understand that. So the, a lot of these people don't even have any chance of discovering any of this stuff unless they have this epiphany like you were talking about, unless they have enlightened parents. They just don't have an option. They just don't it, it doesn't even happen, which which is which is really tough. It, yeah, it's, it's really tough to see. Because the aspiration is just isn't there because people just don't know about it. Yeah, the majority.
1: I I appreciated the thing you had said about parents even initially, you know, because I feel precisely the same way. I mean, I was raised by a single mother, and uh, I mean, we had a share of difficulties, you know. uh, But that being said, she has been amazing supporting me. Uh, And I mean, in fact, it reminds me. So, like I said, she's an English professor. So I remember when I was little, I used to read her doctoral thesis, like it was like a novel. And her thesis is actually in John Milton, right? Uh, The John Milton Paradise Lost. That's what the thesis is on. And so in Milton's life, the same thing had happened, you know, Uh, parents supported him long part of his life. He went to Italy, did the whole Europe thing, wrote for a long time. And I remember back then thinking wow this is you know somebody so pampered and hasn't had to struggle and all of that you know the edge that you have coming from the middle class or whatever but as i've grown up i have come to appreciate just how much of a blessing it is even if it's not the financial thing but if you have parents who understand what you're trying to do i think that's you know a large part of it uh i think kids now uh, they're smart enough and of course the access to the net is just crazy now, so they can learn about stuff. But you still have to have parents that sort of support you, you know. And it's a great gift, and uh, another thing to really be grateful for. It. And, and you know, I count myself really lucky about that.
0: I think that there's also that the difference between supporting and pushing you towards something that they think is correct. So, saying you should be a doctor or whatever, or you you need to be a professional, you need to be a lawyer, a doctor, or whatever, all those kind of things, and. And the only path that they know is you should go to university, which isn't right for a lot of people. Uh, so uh, yeah, the, the supportive for me was the way that my parents were. They were like, you you do whatever you want. They don't even really understand <laughs> what I do now as, as a job. I don't, I don't know if I could explain yeah. it. But um, yeah, even though they don't understand it, they've always been like, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you. You're actually doing something. You're making money. man! Awesome. Yeah. Which is just nice. That's
1: great. Yeah. Similar thing here too. Uh, so, so in our case, there was a bit, bit, as I said, as a, you know, single parent child. So I, I have always had this sort of sense of responsibility. So same thing here, doctor, engineer, lawyer, those are the things. And if you score well in school, you just do one of those things. So, you know, I did the engineering thing. Uh, there's an exam here called the IITJ. It's like, it's a big deal. It's like 10 lakh people give it it's it's insane and you clear it it's very difficult to do uh, so I cleared I I got the kind of rank where I didn't get the, the college I wanted but I got a close approximation and uh, but I ended up dropping out second year because I couldn't handle it, I just I had to write the book you know and the plan was I'm going to go there, it's just a safety net I'm going to go there, write my book. It's going to blow up. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to leave. It was a very naive 18-year-old man. But uh, when I got there and I figured out I wasn't really being able to write for some reason, you know, I just felt constricted or something. And so then I dropped out second year. And uh, the the next, it's a four-year course. So the next three years that my friends completed their course, I finished my book out. And 2016 is when I would have passed out. Uh, And that's when I released my book. So yeah, slightly similar thing. So so over here in India, generally, what's happening still, you know, is that most parents will hope that you do go to college, you do go to university and you do get the degree and also do this, which it's hard to explain is, you know, not really an option most of the time, you know, if you really want to go all in on something. But but I think things are changing, though, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm from Delhi, so I guess that also changes things. You know, it's the capital city, so there's a lot more exposure here. It's a huge, huge city. So, I think it's. I think it's a demographic thing.
0: I think it's the same in, in most places. It's certainly the same in the UK. It it becomes back to the risk thing again. You know, the par- yeah. your, your parents want the best for you. It's not that they, they're not saying you need to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer, because for them they want it for you, and they they it's the only things that they understand where they realize well what is a good job doctor it's the only thing they understand so yeah it, it but it takes a bigger a bigger person to actually step back and say oh you don't want to be a doctor okay that's cool like, just just go do, do go do what you actually want to then
1: yeah and i think also now i mean this this is how it used to be now another element to it is that that this entire world thing changes so quickly That it will also require the sort of person, it will require the parent to be a sort of person who goes, maybe I don't know everything. You know, because uh, the jobs that you think are good are slowly going away. And new jobs that are way better to do are coming up all the time. But if you just say, no, this is what it is and I know how the world is. So that's another thing I think that that parents have to come to understand that the landscape is different, that the market looks different, everything's different now, and it keeps changing again and again. So one thing that used to, I don't want to say easier earlier, but it's just a far less predictable world now. You know, you might think you're going in for a safe job. And then we don't we don't know what happens 10 years from now, you know. When AI really hits, we don't know what happens. Yeah. So there's a lot there. i've i've got so so i went to a technical school right and i've been in this startup game for about a year and a half now so i've got people like friends you know working on ai and stuff yeah man it's if you're not on the side of it then it's a scary world out there
0: i've I've always said if 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 you're working for somebody it's not a safe job if if some somebody else is your boss it's not a safe job no matter how safe it looks because yeah everything everything's getting automated Uh, and if if you are if you are working for somebody else, they won't tell you when things get bad. They'll keep you till the very, very end and they, they won't give you the full picture and they could be automating your job in seven days' time and they'll tell you in six days. So you, you gotta got to make your own future, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. I, I think it also has to do with you know, people think it's safe because the risk is not visible. Just because they say it's the permanent job, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, so I think I think it has something to do with that as well, is that when you choose the path of, say, a creator, whether it's a writer, whether it's a designer, it's in any artistic field, what, what happens is you're kind of front-loading the risk. Like, you can see it. Like, okay, you're going to work here. God knows how much time it might take, but then this is the way that it looks. Versus, you know, a position where it looks very comfortable till it's not you know so so there's that as well it's like just having enough discernment to realize that things are not how they look all the time you know
0: yeah that, that's a really good way of putting it actually um i'm, I'm gonna leave it on that because that's that's a beautiful way of finishing <laughs> We run over. Yeah,
1: I had fun chatting with you, man. I think uh, we're gonna have a lot more of these conversations. Huh?
0: I, I'd love to. I'm I, doing. This I'm, is fun. I'm doing them every Tuesday at 7 p.m. BST. I'm always. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. I'm always looking for new people to talk to. So yeah, I'd definitely love to do it again. Uh, any final words? You've got 20 seconds.
1: Yeah. All the best with everything in the future. I uh, hope anybody watching this had fun. And you gotta make more of those lyric images, man. You gotta do
0: that. Send me some. DM me some lyrics and I'll make some. I
1: will. I bloody will, I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> Cheers man, speak Cheers. soon. <laughs>